You may have heard of us, but you might not know Bank First is a community bank that has no fee ATM access, interest and perks earning checking accounts. With online and mobile banking, mortgages for every stage of life, and modern business banking for businesses, small and big. We keep it all together to put you first. Do you bank with us? You should. Bank First is an equal housing lender and a member of FDIC. And welcome inside the Farm Bureau Studios in downtown Starville. I'm Bart Gregory along with Charlie Winfield here on this early Monday morning. Well, last week we had the Monday meltdown. I guess today it's uh, it's a lot better after state sweeps. Charlie, we won on Friday night. We didn't play Saturday. We won the first game of a doubleheader yesterday. That's what you call two in a row. And then we won the second game of the doubleheader. You know what that's called? Now we have a streak. A winning streak. We've got ourselves a winning streak going. And so we normally tape the show on Monday nights or Monday afternoon, but today we're playing at 6 o'clock against the Bearcats of Binghamton. And so, Charlie, I guess uh, we're going to talk about Binghamton later on. But uh, let's Are talk. We? Are we? We need to. Hmm. Is that in upstate New York? No. It's, um, it's barely across the Pennsylvania line, I believe. So what is classification of upstate? How far do you have to get to be classified as upstate New York? You know, I don't know. I always think of like Albany, Buffalo. I don't know what makes you upstate, actually. I'm not terribly familiar with the geographic layout of the state of New York. Yeah, and that re- would require some Googling. I'm not willing to do that right not now. Not for Binghamton. No, not for Binghamton. Tony Kornheiser went to Binghamton. He did. Tony Kornheiser went to Binghamton. Um, they got a couple of guys that went to Binghamton that um, – that are known, but not many. I guess we could try to get Kornheiser on the show. You got a number for him? I don't. And I'd almost rather not, just okay. to be candid. All right. Hey, let's look back at this weekend. We won against Princeton. And once again, we're in the Farm Bureau studios here in downtown Startville. Farm Bureau, go with the home team. Check them out at favorites.com. They have agents in all 82 counties in the state of Mississippi. Great customer service. If you're in the market for auto, home, life, whatever you need, go with the home team at Farm Bureau. All right, Charlie, looking back, and you see on Friday, we won that game 11-2. to We come back and we play yesterday after not having baseball on Saturday. We talked about it in our Sunday coffee session that we had on Saturday. Seems like everything's kind of getting moved around right now. But looking back at the Saturday and not playing baseball, which I thought was a good thing because it was going to be so cold, we said coming into the doubleheader, and we said it right here. Hey, do you throw Cade Smith in game three? And we actually got some texts from buddies and saying, hey, what are, you, what are you thinking? And then all of a sudden, that's kind of what we do yesterday. And listen, we did have not talked to Chris Lamonis at all, but it just kind of made sense, didn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Because, and if you noticed, they did the same thing. So Princeton did the same thing. They took their classic Saturday guy, pitched him, in the game two, game three of the series, game two yesterday, didn't go so well for him. Shimalewski, Shimaleski, whatever it was. The spell like Shimalewski, but I think it's pronounced Shimaleski. Shimaleski. So he got roughed up pretty bad. But ultimately, in the longer game, you have more room for error if somebody gives you a bad outing. But as it turned out, Parker Stinnett came out in that first game, gave you a really good outing. And probably as good a place to talk about this as anywhere. The thing about baseball, man, the narrative can change on a guy in a hurry. And if you look back over the past 10 days, 
How much different do you feel sitting here now about Parker Stinnett and his role on this team, albeit a different role, and Kellum Clark from where they were before going into that two-lane series? Or actually, you know, if you want to go Stinnett, not even a week, five days. It was a Tuesday through a Sunday that basically changes the view of him completely. And now all of a sudden, you're thinking, man, why are we going to this guy to, hey, man, we got a good weekend starter now. I know. I mean, and a lot of you negative Nancy's out there, that's okay. We can all be glass half empty at times. Charlie accuses me that of every now and then. And Well, that's because I know what you say between innings. Well, <laughs> but that mic is cut. You got a cough button for a reason, okay? That's right. But you know, I know what people were thinking on Tuesday when we named Parker Stanette the starting pitcher for Texas Tech. It's almost like, oh, my goodness, I can't believe. You know, we're just – we're not even going to try to win these two games. And then he comes out, and he kind of – you know, guys have different – you hate to – continue to use the word mindset, but it's completely different pitching on the back end and then starting a game. And and Parker Stinnett had some difficulties at times locating fastball, but he was effectively wild early against Texas Tech, was good. He ran into some trouble yesterday, and we had John Cohen on the broadcast at the time, and, you know, he was locating his fastball okay. He was getting hit a little bit in the first two innings. Walked a couple guys in the second, went through some difficulties. Then Scott Foxhall went out to talk with him. And after that conversation, he was a completely different guy. 12 strikeouts yesterday, and Parker Stinnett was outstanding. Yeah, he gave you six complete, just 91 pitches, strikes out 12. And then the big number, he only walks two. If you gave me those numbers, well, you'd take that every time. I mean, just outstanding. He kept the ball down. He got a number of ground outs. Of course, there weren't many outs to be had. Uh, in fact, there were only only six of the outs he recorded were not by strikeout. So did a good job there of kind of mixing things in. But well, I take that back. You know what? Because he got an extra out in there. Remember that? Yeah. So he got a strikeout. Strikeout while And that was the only guy that reached base after the second inning. He walked back-to-back guys in the second, retired the side in order in the third, fourth, and fifth, first two guys of the sixth, and then gets the strikeout while pitch. And then comes right back and gets another strikeout. And how did they score that? Was it wild pitch or pass ball? Uh, I, I wrote it down, strikeout, wild pitch. But I really didn't look in the um, – I, I thought that ball was low. So, I wrote it down as wild pitch. Uh, but at the end of the day, Parker Stinnett was really good. And now you, you kind of figure out where you're going to put him on the weekend. Now, now the question does become on the weekend, and we'll talk about this later in the week and then on our Thursday deep dig as well is do you leave Cade Smith at the Sunday starter? What do you do with Parker Stinnett? Preston Johnson is your probable guy on Friday night now. I thought Preston Johnson, for all intents and purposes, Charlie, this is the first time this year we've gotten three quality starts on a weekend. And I know what people are going to say. It was Princeton, and Princeton is winless. But they had some guys in their order. I, I liked uh, you know coming at the top of the order. Nadir, Nadir Lewis is Nadir really Lewis, good. Nadir Lewis is a good, pretty good player. And so – but are they deep? They're not. But uh, th- that's not a terrible baseball team. Princeton is not a terrible baseball team. They're well coached. Now, one of the so things. So, what are you going to say? They're the best 0 11 team in college they're the baseball? Best 0 11 team in college baseball. I will say this I think Scott Bradley is a very good coach, a guy that has gone to the NCAA tournament a lot. They've done this a lot at Princeton where they start very slow just because they can't get outside. They literally cannot get outside. Here's what they have going against them, and we talked about this a little bit on the broadcast yesterday. And Scott Bradley, who's a longtime head coach there, his son played for Chris Lamonis at Indiana. 
And Scott Bradley, we've talked about, was a roommate of Buck Showalter in AA with the Yankees. He's good friends with our good friend Marcus Timms, and that shows you once again how small the baseball world is. The thing about Princeton is they play outside on natural grass, a natural dirt infield, natural grass outfield. They don't have artificial turf, and so they don't have the ability to get on their game field at all to practice at all. And so that's the that's the negative for them. They'll be a decent team in the Ivy League this year. Uh, Yale has been really good up there, but at the end of the day, uh, were they a great team? No. And so, but. We took care of business and did what we had to do. We won all three. Have you ever seen anything quite like the end of game two yesterday? And let me back up. We, I got to figure out what I'm calling game one and game two. Game two of the series, game one of Sunday. So we've got the bases loaded, ball hit into left. Cam James can't find it in the sun. It drops. Runners all advance. Chris Lamonis immediately out of the dugout, immediately out and says basically that the hitter passed the runner at first base. They review it, call the out. So the run scores, but we have an out on the basis for the second out of the inning. How much is are things different? Oh, it's massive. That. And how did they, somebody was paying attention. They were. And, okay, two things there is you probably don't win the game if that doesn't happen. I mean, you may win the game in extra innings. You may not. Who knows? But – you're essentially dealing with what would have been the tying run at third and one out in a 3-2 game. Two, two things here. One is, who do you fault there? I fault the runner. I don't fault the hitter because the hitter is looking at the ball. He sees the ball drop. He's rounding first base. He's thinking, hey, that's, this guy's halfway to second base, and he passes the runner. Am I wrong for saying to me it's more the runner than the actual hitter? No, in fact, I was went down to the Princeton dugout between games yesterday, and Scott Bradley was talking to someone. I went to talk to him because of our common friend Marcus Timms, but he was talking to a, a, a fan who basically came and asked him the question, whose fault is that? And he says, that's on the runner, 100% on the runner, because he says, first of all, we're not tagging to go from first to second. You know, you're going to tag at second, you're going to tag at third, but you're not tagging to try to get the middle base. And he said, so what that guy has to do is to be in a position of already being at least halfway. And when that ball drops, he better be real close to second. He said the hitter has absolutely no reason to expect that not only would the runner be that close to first base, but in fact was turning around to go back. Never picked up the fact that the ball had dropped. So that one was on the base runner. Look, we got a break there. Massive break. And so the batter is the guy that's out. And then the guy gets second base and he gets third base, two outs in the inning. Okay, two things there. I thought the next ball hit by Espinel, Lane Forsyth did a great job on a hard hit ball to kind of pin it against his chest, come Try up, to make a the, bounce on him. Oh my goodness! And then he throws a guy out into the game. We win three two. Okay, let me ask you this, Charlie. We've been talking about this for months about how you may see Cam James in the outfield. Now we thought he may be a center fielder instead of left fielder. But let me ask you this, does his inability to find that fly ball, does that end the experiment with Cam James in the outfield? I don't know that it should, but I think it factors in. You think of all the factors. One, where do you feel about Slade Alford as a hitter? They did have a hit in that game that ultimately pushed the deciding runs across the plate on a ball that hit to left field. So you kind of got to factor it all in at once. The thing I was a little bit surprised by was that we didn't see. We saw it after the out. We saw defensive adjustments made there. I was a little bit surprised that you didn't see 
Braylon Skinner in center. Because now, if I remember right, who was the last out in the eighth? That was Alford, wasn't it? It was Alford in the eighth inning yesterday. Yeah, it was Alford. And so you bring Skinner in for Alford. And we did. We put Skinner in in center field. We put Skinner but in. only after he only went out there after the drop ball. After the drop. and then So that's when we moved everybody around. So we brought Cam James to third, took Alford out. Skinner went in the ball game for Alford, went to center. Cumbus moves to left. As much as we saw late-inning defensive adjustments last year, I was a little bit surprised we didn't see them in the ninth yesterday. Yeah, me too. And so then you come right back and play the game, you know, 30 minutes after the completion of the first one, and then Cam James is back at third base. And that's why I made that statement. Of You, you know, it's probably you know, rattling around in his mind a little bit. And so – I said, hey, you you in the experiment. Now you can get a chance to maybe work him a little bit more in practices in the outfield because you know he's feeling it a little bit yesterday. Um, and to be fair, there were a lot of balls that people struggle with. There is something about that stadium. I, I kind of think, you ever notice the camera shot from center field, how it's so dark in behind the plate, and then you get up to that roof and it's kind of bright with the sun bouncing off of it, and then you never know what kind of sky you're going to get. There's something going on there that makes the ball hard to pick up off the bat, I think. Yeah, for everybody. We saw Rowdy have difficulties. We saw Jake Mangum a couple of years ago have difficulties with it. And so, yeah, it's not just a Cam James issue. And we saw yesterday balls on the infield. Ooh, boy. Yeah. You know, for both teams. Yeah, pop-ups on the infield. Third baseman, DePietri Antonio. Missed that <laughs> ball. <laughs> hey, uh, Kellum Clark. Wow. Well, here, nine hits on the weekend. Nine hits on the weekend and hit everything hard. His home runs were line drives. He had to, he had a line drive double uh, to left center field in the game on Friday. I mean, he he really hit the ball hard every time. I, I thought one of the hardest hit balls he hit all day was one of the outs. Was the ball straight away center field? And the only reason that was not a home run, it was too much of a line drive. He hit it to the base of the wall in center field. Yeah, and coming, the center fielder almost messed that one up. He got turned around a little bit. Had, had some trouble finding it off the bat, but ultimately got back to make the catch. I Look, he was just dialed in. You know, the only time he got out all day was his hardest hit ball, potentially. And I, I remember going back to the Kellum Clark at bat, Bart, where they've got the infield in. That's the one where he hits the home run in game two. They've got the infield pulled in. Like, no thanks. Yeah, and that's what we talked about on the air is, man, how would you like to be a second baseman right here? And then he hits a missile shot the right field for a home run. And so, hey, we did what we needed to do. We uh, we took care of business. We won all three. Now 10-7 and seven on the year. We got Binghamton tonight at 6 o'clock and then Georgia this coming weekend. Uh, D1 Baseball came out with their polls uh, earlier today, and uh, we stayed at 23rd. I'm not a big fan of polls. I mean, it's it's so subjective right now. You got like seven polls, and only two of them know what they're doing. Ole Miss is the number one team in the country right now. They flip back and forth with Texas. Ole Miss now number one. Texas is number two. They were vice versa last week. Um, this look back at this weekend brought to you by our friends at Heartland Catfish. Heartland producing the finest U.S. farm-raised catfish in the world. And it's right here in the Mississippi Delta over in Itabina. And they service great restaurants like Georgia Blue, Georgia Blue throughout the state of Mississippi. They continue to grow. Madison, Flowood, Brookhaven, Starkville, South Haven, Georgia Blue. And the thing that they have at Georgia Blue, that's one of my all-time favorite meals is the Bayou Catfish. It's a fried Heartland Catfish served over corn and cheese grits. 
and you've got this Bayou crawfish cream sauce over the top of it. It's one of my favorite things. And then on the blue plate on Friday, they have that catfish, and it's brought to you by Heartland Catfish. And so Heartland producing the finest U.S. farm-raised catfish, and you can find it at all the locations of Georgia Blue. Charlie, we talked about Ole Miss and Texas flip-flopping at the top. Did you see the bat flip from Melendez the other night for Texas? I can't stand that stuff. I know people say, hey, the baseball's supposed to be fun. And what happened, is, if you didn't see it, they were playing South Carolina this weekend. And Melendez, Ivan Melendez, who hit the three-run home run against us last year in the College World Series, fantastic player. He's a great player. One of the best first basemen in the college baseball. And he bat-flipped against Stanett when he hit the home run for us last year, but at least he threw it toward the dugout. He hits a home run against South Carolina in game one of the series and essentially flips the bat about halfway to the pitcher's mound. And um, they win that game. Now, South Carolina comes back and wins the next two. And I sent a tweet to uh, to our good buddy Jay Powell. And I said, Jay, if that had happened to you, you know, what what would you do? And Jay was like, well, first of all, I'm 50 years old. I'd broken my hip pitching the ball. And I was like, oh, okay, I know what you're talking about. But um, And I know baseball is supposed to be fun. It's a fun game. And I know I don't want to sound like grumpy old man right here. And if, if you want to, you know, beat your chest a little bit, that's okay. But let me tell you something. When you start flipping a bat toward me as a player, I'm probably trying to figure out today just exactly what the line is about suspensions because I'm probably going to throw that bat in a lot of different areas. But that's just me. Well, my issue is – Again, I can put up with a little bit of the flip in the bat. I don't like the way we've glorified it and we've become one of these home run celebration type things. But the, the real thing, what it, wherever you draw that line, I think we can reasonably agree that throwing the bat into the field of play towards the pitcher uh, merits uh, more than a negative tweet or two. That that just crosses the line. To me. Well, okay, so and I know what people are going to come back and say, well, what about Elijah McNamee? Man, he, he 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 tossed the bat after he hit the home run. I think you have to understand the overall complexity of the situation. The last at bat, tossing it toward his dugout, that was an emotional moment. And I know I'm trying to – people are going to say, man, you're trying to, to carve this toward your guys. But it's another thing in a Monday and Friday to toss your bat toward the pitcher. Well, I'm looking at Waylon Baptist putting out videos of their guys flipping bats on a weekend where they get swept. You know, it's not uh, – at some point, you're absolutely right. Not every touchdown merits the same celebration, right? You score a touchdown to win a game. You score a touchdown to end your career. That's different from scoring against Jacksonville uh, in September, right? When you're already up 42 to seven. Yeah, yeah. You, you played you, Abilene you Christian context, right? You do. And so you've got a new number one this week. Texas kind of falls back, but everybody kind of likes to hate Texas. Uh, I do. Just gives you another reason to do that. So you look around the league right now, you get ready for conference play this coming weekend, and you look, Ole Miss has the best record in the Western Division right now. They're 13-2 and two overall. They lost yesterday in the second game of their doubleheader against Oral Roberts, and so that was their first loss at home. LSU is 13-3. and three. They've had some, some bad losses in there too. They were down early in the game against Bethune-Cookman on Friday, came back to win. Arkansas is on a little winning streak right now. They had to come from behind yesterday against Illinois, Chicago. Auburn lost two out of three this weekend. They're now 13-4. and four. They lost to Middle Tennessee two out of three this weekend. Alabama's 12-5. and A&M is 10-5, and, and we're 10-7. and seven. So that's the SEC West. Tennessee continues to have the best record in the league. They're 15-1 and one overall. 
Vanderbilt is 13-2. Vandy's won 12 in a row. That was kick-started by that four-game road trip out at Hawaii. Missouri's 11-2. Am I ready to buy stock in Missouri? Charlie, are you? I'm not. But no, they did. But no. they did have a good win against Arizona State yesterday. Missouri did. Kentucky's 14-3. Georgia 13-3. Florida is 13-4. Georgia, I mean, Florida lost to uh, Seton Hall yesterday. And then South Carolina, they won two out of three this weekend against number one Texas. And South Carolina is 9-6. and six. And so that's kind of a look around the SEC as far as the records go. And once again, we're brought to you by our good friends at Country Pleasing Sausage. Country Pleasing, made right here in the state of Mississippi, down on Highway 49 at Country Meat Packers. Country Pleasing, so many different varieties, and it's all great. I had a Country Pleasing dog at the ballpark yesterday. I was made fun of a couple times. Between the games yesterday, we had 30 minutes. And what they do, when you buy it in the store, of course, the Country Pleasing original comes in that big log. You know, it's that big horseshoe-type log. And they make it like a, a regular sausage dog that they sell at the stadium. But Country Pleasing is just great. It's awesome. I mean, it's just great sausage. It is perfect for sporting events. So Country Pleasing throughout the grocery stores throughout the southeast and Country Meat Packers on Highway 49 in Florence. All right, Charlie, baseball this weekend, first weekend of SEC play. I guess you can kind of put all this behind us now, and uh, big boy baseball starts. It certainly does, and not a lot of great matchups. Right now, the only matchup this weekend between ranked teams is Mississippi State and Georgia. If you look at the other matchups, just not as intriguing here in week one. Yeah, Georgia in today's poll is 20. We're 23. And so, yeah, top 25 matchup this weekend over in Athens. All right, so Charlie and I will be back in the midweek for our midweek show on Wednesday. And then we'll have Thursday Deep Dig brought to you by Tracks Plus. And then uh, back at it for Sunday Coffee. Opening weekend, we're on the road playing at Georgia. And this has been a, a look back at this past weekend. We still haven't named the Monday show. I've had no, a number of people come up to me. had a number of people last week in Biloxi come up to me and say, hey, I've got some uh, some recommendations. We haven't found something that just fits yet. But uh, it's not meltdown Monday like it was last week when we lost two out of three to Tulane. Once again, thanks to our great friends at Bank First. Bank First, a better way to bank. Locations throughout Mississippi and Alabama. Growing Bank, bankfirstfs.com. Great customer service from our good friends like Moat Griffin and Marcus Mallory and John Shapley and Dennis Bach and Johnny Ray and just great people, great roster that they have at Bank First. Charlie, any parting words? No, look, I'm glad to see Kellum Clark. I'm glad to see Parker Stinnett do better. And I think uh, now all of a sudden maybe you found that starter, big test this weekend. I'm excited about it, but still got a few days. State in Binghamton later tonight at 6 o'clock at Duty Noble Field. Appreciate you guys hanging out with us here on our Monday show. We'll be back for Out of Left Field with some interviews on Wednesday. Appreciate you guys hanging out with us on this start to your week.